You haven't been well Since I don't know when I have tried And tried again To do what I could To be a good friend Yeah, I do my best To listen But when silence If that silence holds your breath I will wait to hear you say That life is good Cause life is good And I pray that you believe someday That life is good Life is good Don't need to forgive you No fault to find here I will walk through this hell Like it's heaven Cause if that's where you are Then that's where I'll be Yeah, I'd stay in that fire To keep you with me Even that silence Madison Story Slam. That is Nicholas Blazina from State and Madison. And uh, welcome, Nick. Thanks for having me, Adam. Absolutely. So uh, Nick actually just played a house show at my condo and just killed it. And I asked him if he would uh, be on an episode of the podcast. I know we haven't... First of all, to listeners, I'm sorry. We have not put out a podcast in months. It's probably since October of 2016. Mm. And... um, that's life. <laughs> that is life. You know, uh, life gets busy. Uh, and I'll be honest, um, we've kind of talked about uh, depression mm-hmm. uh, tonight a few times. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
my my reason for not putting out an episode has has purely been about being depressed. Yeah. Uh, and not that I am sad, and I'm you know. Most of our listeners that come to uh, Story Slam events would tell you that I am happy, and I am happy, and I am, I am able to have a good mood. But I am the kind of depressed that's like um, uh, unmotivated. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people would would talk about being unmotivated, and I wonder how many people equate that with being depressed. Man, it's a uh, it's an interesting flip on the conversation because a lot of people would take it as I'm just lazy or I'm no, I'm no good. Yeah. Because I don't want to get out of bed ever. Yeah. I, I said to you tonight that like, uh, when I come home from work, when I'm at work, I'm up, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, not necessarily pretending, but I am, you're, you're trying to serve other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, but when I come home, I am, uh, I, I just want to go to bed. I know I, it. I could lay in it bed. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy to be that, you know, that with people when yeah. you, you have no energy to yeah already yeah know? and i love i mean that song is about depression yeah very very much my family has um has had some real firsthand experience with what that can do yeah you know i my grand my grandfather lost his life to it yeah my mom's dad yeah at a, he was 50 you know that something we should be able to talk about i think totally before it comes to that. Yeah. I love the line in that song, and I'm going to butcher it. I don't know it exactly, but uh, you basically say, I'll be with you until you say that life is good. Mm-hmm. Man. That's what being married is about, right? Yeah. That's what being friends is about. It's what relationship is about. It's what relationship is about. You know, like, being depressed is hard because it's riddled with all sorts of booby traps, right? Like, you, you try to say the right thing or you don't know what to say so you say something stupid yeah and then i'm immediately in my head like i should have remembered that guy's name he just told me five seconds ago and now i'm feeling weird now my face is hot now now <laughs> now i want to go get a bourbon you know like that was uh, what what a good your face is hot yeah yeah i get that i mm-hmm. get that 100 percent. so i've been listening to a podcast lately uh sorry i gotta look it up to see the actual uh um name of it um, it's called the hilarious world of depression <laughs> and it is, uh, if you're not listening to it, I suggest you go find it and listen to it. Um, the guy interviews comedians who, uh, what is it about comedy? It's like, it's like the polar opposite of what a lot of people feel like, like yeah. Bo Burnham. You listen to Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. He is forthright with yeah. his, his talk about that kind of stuff. Totally. And he puts it into his art. Mm-hmm. And he, gosh, did you see Make Happy? Uh, yes, yes. What a delightful piece of art. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I could tell you a, a thousand stand-up specials that I love. Yeah. But that one transcends it to me. Yeah. Where he's got his whole self on the line. You know, it's the same thing with, uh, have you heard of Maria Bamford? I, I love her. Lady Dynamite is hilarious. Yeah. And she's forthright with the fact that she deals with bipolar. Like I mean, like to a so T, forthright. to to a T, yeah. where I'm like, thank God, someone else has the guts. Yeah, to say and, and to even, say it. Not even just on that show. I, I mean, that show. She talks about it and is forthright with it. But in her stand up, she is so 
honest and so brutally true to who she is and is shedding light on what that disease is. And I don't know, not, not that I want this podcast to become like, a, listen, Madison Story Slam is not a, a, a soapbox. It is not sure. a, a, a something to stand on and preach. But uh, this is something I've been going through, and, and I feel like I sort of owe it to my listeners a little bit to just kind of say, hey, this is where I'm at, and this is why the podcast has been uh, slow. Yeah. <laughs> slow is a generous term for what it has been. Uh, it's been dead. I mean, my podcast has been dead. Tilling the earth, man. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know, man. Uh, listen to your show tonight. Just, it was exactly what I needed. Mm. It was... Feels nice to hear that. You know, you, man, we're, we're going to hear more songs from Nicholas um, in a little bit, but uh, man, wh- where can people find you? Where can people find State and Madison? Because that's the band you're in. Yeah, that's the band. Um, Stateandmadison.net is the website, and that's a good hub for a couple of videos and some tour dates and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and an email sign-up list if you like what you're hearing. Perfect. So we're stuck in 2002 with an email sign. Absolutely. Until <laughs> I can get people coming to shows. That's right. Uh, how long has State and Madison been a band? Uh, we started this thing in 2005, October of 2005. Man. It's brought me my wife. I passed out flyers for my band. I met my wife. It's brought me all the best memories of my life. That's good. Tonight. So I first met you, uh, you were playing a show at Chadbourne. Uh, Res Hall. Res Hall, yeah. Uh, our, our friend Leanne booked you guys to play a show. Leanne Maris is one of my favorite humans ever. <laughs> I hope I hope she hears this. I don't I don't think she's a listener, but I'm gonna tag her on it. Perfect. Um, and uh, I was I was sharing with my wife tonight how we met each other, and you guys came in and loaded in. You were play, playing in the uh, cafeteria, and uh, there's a piano in there, and I was playing piano, and you came up to me and said, "Hey." Can I teach you this piano part? And uh, when we play this song, can you just play this piano part with us? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did. And then we uh, we played uh, Hey Jude yeah. uh, during that show. And I, th- except for tonight, any time that State and Madison has been in Madison, we have played Hey Jude together. Yeah, time. we broke that tonight. Maybe you have to f- close this out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know it on guitar. I, c- I only know it on piano. I would butcher it. Yeah, I would honestly on guitar, I would too. So, <laughs> um, so w- when I met you, you were in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty close to Madison. I, yeah, it's about I, a three-hour drive, right? Nah, it's like two hours at most. Skimming it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've made it from the northwest suburbs to here in two hours. That, you're going 200 miles an hour. I was going 90. <laughs> I was dating a girl in Chicago, and when we pulled into my house, she went, do you realize that you were going 95 miles an hour the entire way here? And mm-hmm. I said, yes, I do. Yeah. Um, so uh, I feel like a lot of people in Madison, uh, I talk to a lot of people in Madison who go, oh, I've never been to Chicago. I've never been downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. And well, people don't realize how close it is. Yeah. I mean, it is, downtown Chicago is so close to Madison and there's so much to do there. Um, but what I wanted to ask you about is coming to Madison, uh, because we are Madison Story Slam. We, we do like to focus on uh, stories about Madison. And um, I know that you've... So like we said, we've, you played at Chadbourne. Mm-hmm. It's been, probably been almost 10 years since you played there. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, I I came to see you guys once at the Frequency. It was just you. It wasn't the full band. 
Oh, oh um, that's right. It was we, me and Henry. It was when Henry, yeah, Henry. Uh, was on tour, and yeah. you guys played, and I came up and sang "This Is a Risk" with you, mm. and and I had a shaker. I had an egg shaker. Yes. Um, but do you have any other experiences, like before you played music or outside of music? Do you have experiences with Madison at all? Uh, yeah, it's mostly music related. Um, the first time I came through town, I was playing with a band called The Silence from Chicago. Um, really, really awesome record they put out, and I got to jump in and just play guitar on the live stuff. Um, but that was, I was 21. Yeah. My first like kind of out of town gig with not my band, <laughs> you know, like I jumped into the, the van with these other guys that already had a thing kind of built. Um, so it was a trick for me. Like it was cool, fun. Cause I just had to learn guitar and just hang out. Yeah. I didn't have to be the guy, which was kind of a fun thing for me, you know? So sitting in is something I've done more often since then. Um, but that was the first time I was in Madison. I came back and played a few other times. There's a place called the clinic. Is that here? Yeah, I don't think it's here anymore. It, it used, used to be to like be. a strip club or something. Yeah. There's a strip pole in the middle of the place. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Uh, that was a good time. That was a number of years ago as well. Um, and then, yeah, playing here with you tonight. Yeah, uh, you were so good tonight. We don't we, we don't got to keep harping on that, but you were very good tonight. Thank you very much. Um, so I know State and Madison is planning on releasing a record later this year. Yes, sir. Uh, I think you told me tonight. I don't know if you want to tell say yeah. the exact. At uh, 10 5, October 5th, it's October coming out. 5th. That's the 12 year anniversary of the band starting. Okay, so I was just going to ask, how do you come up with the exact day? That just felt right. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's I've started learning, like, this whole process has been different from previous releases that we've worked on because I'm planning it way, way, way in advance. Yeah. Like, what we're going to do and when we're going to do it and when things are going to come out and videos and things like that. But that takes time. It's like an entire season of, like, you know, growing the idea. Yeah. So that when you put the plant outside, it can stand on its own. Totally. Um, so it's been fun to figure that out. But um, October just felt right. Like I had the, the record was basically in the can, like in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a few little tiny things to touch up when I get back off. As tour. you said earlier, uh, you got to add some Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. That's the uh, Jay Hall came up with that one. But um, that's the, uh, you know, the little last bit of flavor at the end that you don't quite pick up the first listen. Yeah. Um, but they're fun to hide every place, you know? Sure. Um, so, yeah, 10-5 just felt like the right thing. Um, it's the 10, the 12-year anniversary of when we started the band. Like, our first show as a band was that day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, why not? Why not? It's like, uh, I want to put a single out over the summer. That'll be fun to just pick on. And then let's play some rock and roll shows in the fall. Yeah. And people might not realize this from so Nick is here with uh, with an acoustic guitar uh, solo singing some solo songs. People might might not realize from that that you guys are a rock and roll band. Yeah, we're a rock band. Big guitars, uh, lots of melody. Like all the songs I'm playing tonight, um, they're all going to be on the record. Um, but I felt like um, sort of learning what I've learned living in Nashville about respecting silence mm. when you're performing. Like, that's not a big part of being in a rock band, right? Yeah. Silence. It can be. It should be, you know, like that polar opposite of loud and soft uh, has always been something that I love to do. But, like, really living in that soft stuff is daunting at first. But I was fortunate to be uh, asked to be in a circle of guys in Nashville, um, songwriter friends. Um, and every two weeks we'd buy a bottle of cheap scotch and show each other, like, half-done songs. 
<laughs> That's a great way to do it. Yeah. You get yeah. Dr- you get drunk and you show each other, you know, your dick for a half hour. There you go. Or whatever. And uh, hope they don't make fun of it, how small it is. Yeah. Or how crooked it is or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that's what it is. To be clear, when you say showing each, showing each other your dick, <laughs> you're talking about songs. Songs, yeah, sure. Yeah. But it's the same sort of vulnerability Yeah. of like, this is a thing that it might be stupid. Or this is an idea that I'm not quite sure about, but it feels good. Hmm. So you bounce it off these guys that you learn how to trust because they're also great songwriters. Yeah. And I can't say also, but they're great songwriters. And it's been fun to figure out, like some of those guys live in that sort of folky singer-songwriter world. So they know how to respect that like space that needs to exist between the beats to really rope what do you th- rope you in. You what know? do you think that space is? What, like, I know what you mean. I'm a songwriter. Yeah. I'm a musician. Great songwriter, too. I love your songs. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, but I, I feel like uh, maybe some of my listeners don't really understand that. Mm, so so what, what is that space, uh, that silent space that's in between? You know, it, it's yeah. interesting. People talk about um, this is kind of a, a comic book reference, but the be, in between the panels, what mm-hmm. happens between the panels, mm-hmm. and I and I equate that a lot to songwriting. Yeah. Um, so you know, we're we're a storytelling podcast. We do long form interviews like this, and but I always tell people when they come to our storytelling events, which by the way, our next storytelling event is April fifteenth. That that will be this Saturday, um, and our theme is um, here goes nothing. Um, but I always tell our new storytellers that it's not about what you say in your story. It's about what you leave out. Mm. I always tell people that a good story is, is about what you leave out because I, I have a, I have a story about how I got hit by a semi and that's 100% true. I, if I tell you, Oh, I got hit by a semi one time in your head, you, you have a certain idea of what that means. Mm-hmm. In, in all actuality, that story is um, while we were turning left off of the highway from a stopped uh, you know, position, we were stopped and we turned left on a signal, he kind of just grazed me. But it was still a semi and he hit my car. Yeah. So if I just say I get hit by a semi, you automatically assume... I got hit by a semi. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty uh, jolting phrase. Exactly. So it's about what you leave out. And, and I'm wondering, in songwriting, is it kind of the same thing, what you leave out? Uh, that is a great question. And um, yeah. Basically, what... Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I, I'm right there with you. Is it about what you let the listener come up with in their own head? I, I, like, I like being able to know what songs are about. Yeah, like I, I've had the chance to sit down and start a, a podcast idea myself for um, like the why of it, right? Like, what's the reason you write a song? Yeah, Song Exploder Do has done a little bit of uh, Little Fires is going to be uh, coming out uh, in just a few weeks here. Okay, got some editing to catch up on when I get off a tour, but um, I've gotten together with some songwriter friends. That I am just like, how am I friends with this talented guy? Yeah, you know, um, but they're friends, and we get together and have beers and talk, you know, and get to why. But the, the fascinating thing about the space, right, like what you leave out, mm-hmm. is I tried to peg my friend one time, like talking to him about the why. Mm-hmm. And I, his band, his music gets me to God immediately. Right? Yeah. Like the lyrics, the music, the, the intent, the timing. Hmm. And I tried to peg him. I tried to get him to talk about it, and he said no. Huh. And to me, I'm like, you know, 
Islam has bastardized this. Like you draw a cartoon and you're supposed to get killed. That's stupid. But the idea that they didn't used to say the word God. Yeah. In the, you know, Yahweh, don't write it Mm -hmm. out. Yeah, totally. You know, there's a lyric in the first song on the record, the first single, it comes out uh, 4th of July. And it's like, uh, uh, don't say it, you know, don't say it out loud. It's going to lose what it's worth when it leaves your mouth. Don't put it on paper. Don't love me too hard. Like people try to force this idea on other people. And to me, you know, talking about space, like I, this has been true for me for a long time. Like I, I went to a Catholic church with my girlfriend in high school and I started sort of feeling like the the voice, like the literal heft of like the voice of God, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. is like a congregation responding in unison or singing together. But also the other side of that, and it's, it's even more powerful, I think, is a group of people sitting together in complete silence. That's something we talked about a lot tonight mm. uh, between just you before you went on stage and, and then even while you were performing, you talked a lot about silence. What is it that you think about silence that uh, is so impactful? Um, I've been listening to a lot of Buddhist guys. Lately, yeah, and I think um, some of the stuff I'm sniffing around just as a th- like theory, right? You test theories, see what fits, what doesn't, yeah. Um, and the idea that silence allows us to just be one thing when we're looking at each other. There's nothing separating us when we're just looking at each other, yeah. You know, or sitting together. Where there's that th- one thing that we are. It's like that, you know. Pete Holmes talks about this on his podcast. Pete a lot. Holmes, yeah, up top to Pete. Yes, love Pete. Uh, you make it weird is his podcast. That, uh, it's my favorite. My Dan- my inspiration for starting this podcast. Yeah, and he's super vulnerable, and people love that. Yeah, I've always been the guy who wants to be known and know. Like I want to know what's ticking in your head. Mm-hmm. I want to know why you are the way you are, because it's fun to me, you know, to to hear why people think they are the thing they are. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all that to say, like, I don't know. I guess I got off on a tangent there. No, it was good. Hmm. Silence is good. I, I really, I don't know. I think there's something magical about, like, tricking people into being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Explain further. What do you mean magical? Like, uh, the end of one of the songs that's going to be on the record called House on a Hill. Which we will hear in a little bit. I would be happy to play it for you. Yeah. The, the tail end of that song is... Um, a moment of quiet. Yeah. Like the last lyric is, are you listening? I am here. Yeah. Like that to me is the thing. Are I'm here. And then it's silent. Yeah. Like that to me is here we are. Totally. You know, I, you, it's interesting. <clears throat> um, intentional silence is not something that happens a lot. I have a really hard time with it. (laughs) But you know what what was interesting tonight? Most of my silence is intentional. Yeah. What was interesting tonight um, was that that came across after that song. Um, Even even the people in the crowd that were here to hear you kind of knew not to clap. 
at that point. Yeah, uh, Omaha had the, has the record on this tour for the longest silence before a clap. Really? It's like a good eight seconds yeah. of 15 people sitting together in complete quiet. Yeah. It's awesome. Silence is awesome. You know, the old adage of silence is golden. Mm-hmm. It just is so true. Mm-hmm. Because how often in, in, in today's world do we hear silence? Which, I mean, is that is that redundant or not redundant? No, I, is I mean, that I, stupid to hear silence? No, I think it's necessary. Kind of like reading... Uh, this book that I got that I thought was cool because I knew the author's name and I never read anything he had. Um, Thoreau, um, where I lived and what I live for. Yeah, it's this tiny little book about him going out and living in the forest and figuring it out. But like that time in the forest and like in nature, right? Like mm-hmm. you focus on different things when you're just sitting and thinking. Yeah. Or, you know, if you and I have a conversation, there's a moment of like you said something and I. I have nothing to say to it, but it's an interesting thought. We don't have to talk until we have something to say about it. Yeah. Like a moment of silence where we both sip on the beer and just go, huh, you know, like one wonder. I mean, do you think that that's where growth is, is where that growth is happening and where the, we, we've, we've been friends for a long time. Yeah. I mean, 11, 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's where the growth of relationship happens is silence is, you know, tonight we, so we haven't seen each other in six uh, years, yeah, so, num- number but of we years. have talked. Mm-hmm. Um, but even tonight we kind of talked about how, um, silence is kind of like, uh, people just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. We talked about heard. Yeah. You want to be known. You want to be, you want to hear people. Yeah. But you also want to be heard. Yeah. You know, that's the reciprocation of a relationship. And so, I guess the the question really is 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 showing somebody that they're heard silence. Like when you tell me something, when I'm silent, doesn't that show you that I've heard you? I think in like a knowing glance is all you really need. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like if I tell my friend over coffee who has been a friend of mine through a few seasons of life, man, I think I went a little crazy last year. And all he does is like it's not demeaning it's just like think, an acknowledgement i think also silence is this powerful thing where it's like tell me more yeah i i don't want to interrupt you with my shit mm-hmm. i want you to keep going i want to hear more from you i want to i want to learn from you i want i want to be part of you yeah like how often do you invite someone out for coffee and just with the intent of listening to them yeah only you know yeah until they ask you what what about you and i've had coffee where it's it's like sort of disconcerting right where i'm like oh, we're going to have conversation and it winds up being about that person the entire time hmm. there's nothing much in the way of meat there for me right yeah to want to do that again <laughs> but it is kind of nice to like think about that for a second and say well why can't it be about that and just get together and have someone get all the stuff off their chest and you say cool man this was fun yeah that can be good, I think. I mean, you know, silence is this really cool thing where <clears throat> some of my favorite interviewers, uh, I think of, I, you might not know this name, Dick Cavett. He had a, he I had know a the talk name. show in the 70s. He wrote for the original Tonight Show with okay. Jack Parr. Yeah, I know the name. Um, and then he had his own show. So Dick Cavett, and uh, there's a documentarian named uh, Louis Theroux from the UK. And 
they both utilize silence in such a unique way. Uh, especially Louis through he, he utilizes, uh, silence and feigned stupidity or at least feigned (laughs) ignorance. Tell me about that. It's this really cool, like, man, when he asks a question, he asks as if he has no idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. NPR is like that. Yes. NPR is very much the same way. Well, why would someone want to do that? Like, because people go to the bathroom, like it's everybody yeah. knows the answer, but you have to beg the question. Right? Yeah. So like, like Louis through has done many, contro- uh, he's done many documentaries on controversial subjects. Mm. He's, he's, uh, stayed with neo-Nazis. He's went to the Westboro Baptist church. He's done two, uh, documentaries with the Westboro Baptist church. Uh, his most recent one is called my Scientology movie where he does it on Scientology. And he honest, every question he asks he just has this such unique way of like erasing his brain of any preconceived knowledge even of, of the subject. And he will ask a question as a child almost and Mm -hmm. be like, what is this? And they'll answer and he'll just be quiet. And, and even after the answer and there's five seconds of quiet, he'll still be quiet. And, and that quietness, that silence um, kind of begs the person answering the question to keep going mm-hmm. and reveal more truth. Mm-hmm. I feel like most people who answer a question put up just a little bit of a veil of not dishonesty, but holding back, I guess. Testing the waters is good. Yeah. Good? And so, so then when there's more quiet, it's almost like this inner battle of like, um, oh, that wasn't good enough. So I guess I, I should. I, I know I should that feeling very more. well. I know that feeling very well. Yeah, I know. I know that, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I think that's interesting with songwriting as a songwriter. Uh, you know, I'll write a song, and uh, I think most songwriters do this. Where they'll record a version of it on their phone or some rough sure, recording yeah. of it, and listen back to it and kind of go, "Was this honest enough?" Yeah, I've often no kidding out loud by myself said stop bullshitting yeah i mean it it sometimes helps to just hear it you know yeah kid yourself too much like I, i've written a bunch of songs where i'm like that's dog shit can, can you think of can you think of a song that you think is has been full of uh, bullshit or whatever you want to call it or less than honest that you think is a good song that you've written that I've written. Uh, no, I have a real hard time not pulling off. <laughs> yeah, pulling the skin off. You know. Yeah. Uh, do you? Th- I mean, do you think it's doable? There's business. There's business rights. Like, like there's business songs, right? Like there's things you get in the room. Like let's write a jingle for Pepsi. Yeah, I mean, there's there's you know? that there's definitely songs that's like, hey, we need to make some money. Let's make some money from this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dishonest or inauthentic. Um, no, not that I can think of, you know, and it's, it's, I guess that's kind of a weird uh, question to ask a songwriter. Cause you're basically asking the songwriter, are you when full of shit? When were you full of shit? I, I yeah. honestly, uh, I don't, you know, I don't think I would be making music if, if it was about that, you know, like yeah. if I didn't feel like I was actually doing something that was worth something, my, yeah. worth my time, yeah, I wouldn't do it, you know, like that, but that has never been the feeling. Like if you think I've got nothing to say, it's not worth anything. Uh, you know, well, let's talk. Uh, we're gonna hear a song after this. Um, we'll hear House on a Hill, but 
let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, just the feeling of feeling like this thing I wrote is worth hearing. There's a certain mm. amount of ego that goes into absolutely yes hearing or or, or being a performer. Uh, you know, uh, I'm a church guy. I'm a mm. pastor's kid. Mm. Uh, I play in church. Most of my listeners know that. Um, I actually, I interviewed at a church this past year and um, they, uh, to be their, their worship guy. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they came back and, and didn't hire me and told me it was because I didn't have enough. I wasn't humble. Basically, they, they just said, you're not humble. And the only thing that I can think of uh, in the interview process of what I said was, um, you know, you have to, as any kind of musician, there has to be a certain amount of ego that you have to have to go, I'm good enough to be on stage in front of people. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And so let's take that outside of church. I think it's a little bit more than, than it would be inside of a church setting because I don't, I don't super want to talk about church stuff tonight. Um, there's a lot of ego that goes into being a performer. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of people look at having a quote unquote big ego mm-hmm. as sort of a dishonest thing. And that that's such an interesting dichotomy to me between a dishonest big ego and being an honest songwriter. Mm. Mm. So what do you think the balance there is? I think it's just knowing what ego is yeah. and how it's best used as a tool. Which is ego too, you know, like just yeah. saying that. But it's kind of like knowing what your predispositions are and what gets you excited. Like for me, you know, being an artist, playing on stage, enjoying every minute of it as much as humanly possible. Yeah. All I've tried to afford myself the ability to do is to be 14 forever. Yeah. And stand in front of my mirror and riff to Silverchair songs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what it feels like still. It's never changed. Yeah. And if there's ego involved in saying, I'm a songwriter, this is what I do. I want to keep doing this. Do you think it has value? And if so, I'd love to sell you an album. But do you do you think it is the question of do you think it has value? Or as a songwriter and performer, isn't it more oh. this has value? Oh, that's a okay. Uh I, I, yeah. I don't I don't think I, I Personally, yeah. I don't think that you can get up and perform in front of people with the question of, does this have value? I think that you have to get mm. up and go, this has value. I, I, well, I think people do both. Yeah. You know, They get up on stage and they're not sure of themselves, and it could be b- brilliant, mm-hmm. but they never believe it. You know? uh, conversely, you know, there could be a guy that thinks it's the best thing ever, but nobody agrees you know, because yeah. it's maybe terrible <laughs> or maybe just not what people want to hear. Um, but as it relates to ego, it's interesting you brought that up. A buddy of mine and I talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's of the mindset that it's all ego. Everything. Everything is ego, which I don't disagree with necessarily. Um, but it's like, what is that? Who's Nicholas? Who's Adam? Yeah. What is the Nicholas character going to do in this thing that we're doing, this play? Like if I choose to be this character, what's the character? Is it a kind guy that wants to play music and treat people right? That sounds good to me. Yeah. You know, is it a scared guy who who doesn't believe that this is worth doing because I'm still broke? No, that guy sounds like a bummer. You know? It's not who I am. I I I believe that what I do has value because what do you do when someone dies? You sing a song. 
Yeah. What else is more important than that? Than eating. You know, being able to release emotion in a way that is cathartic to myself. That's the only reason I do it because it pleases me. It's the only reason I've, anybody does anything they do. But if it helps someone else and helps them come up to the merch booth after the set and cry to a stranger <laughs> and say, thank you for talking about, you know, darkness in an honest way. Like I'm honored that I get the chance to do that. So yeah, I think it has value. I think it has more value than our society lets it have art in general Yeah, as a conversation starter. And I think it's interesting because I feel like ego has a negative connotation. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Egomaniac. But, but ego can be a good thing. Yeah. It's, it has to be both, you know. I think people bastardize good things all the time. If you know who you are and you know what you want to do, just do that thing, <laughs> you know, because that's what you do. If you choose that you want to be a certain way, you're going to do that thing. For me, it's like it's not a choice. I have to do this to, to save myself, kind of. Like writing songs saves me <laughs> yeah. in a very real way. Like it, it, it helps get that poison out. Yeah. You know, before the ambulance comes to pick me up. <laughs> thank, thank you for pointing that out. Mm. We are recording this in my apartment. Perfect. So. No, this is lovely. Um, ego. I do think that people think of it as this negative thing, but it, it, I mean, it has to, it has to be a positive thing too, because like anybody that's done anything has to have ego has to have, I think of it as a tool, but that, you know, to some people might seem like a small umbrella, but I just think of it as like, um, we're, we're in a play, like literally this is us. Like if there's, if we're all just memories you know, or avatars for some other thing that's playing us right now. Yeah. Like, what character are we? Do hmm. you have to be a character in the play, yeah. or you're not in the play? Yeah. So, who is Nicholas? Well, you'd say one thing, and my wife would say another thing, and I would say another thing. But it's not up for us to decide like what other people think of us. Is about what, who are we in this. The role, whatever role we have to play. But how do you how do you think you get over the? Um, you know, people say all the time, everybody is the 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 hero in their own stage production. If you're not depressed, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, you're the worst thing about the production if you're depressed <laughs> all the time. I mean, uh, but how do you how do you get over that? Uh, if you're not, I guess, if you're not depressed, um, how do you get past being the hero? I guess. How, how do you get uh, like how, how, how humility? Do you, how, humility. How do you how do you do that? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I think that might be the right answer. <laughs> Humility's hard, man. I think you uh, stay ready to admit when you're full of shit. Yeah, I think that's a good one. We talked a little bit about tonight about uh, the capacity to see beyond yourself. Yeah, that's a lot about what it is. Yeah, you know what helps do that? Shutting your mouth a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I found that to be very helpful. Shutting your mouth and, and having your ears be open. Yeah. Be open to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, please think about. We talked about tonight about uh, the openness to being offended or, yeah. or at least the openness to 
being open to the fact that something you might be offended about might be the right thing. Might be the right thing. And there's a story to illustrate that perfectly. I remember the last time I got really, my feathers got ruffled, you know? I was so pissed off. And to my credit, in in some way, the way it was handled was... There's some ego there, to my credit. Yeah, it was handled poorly. Yeah. You know, to me. Like, if you want to educate someone, there's a way to do it without making them feel stupid, right? So, and, you know, making someone feel anything is a stupid idea anyway. But I digress. Uh, I said something about the difference between few and several with a a guy I know. Mm -hmm. And he's one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And very, you know, very educated, very smart, very well-spoken and he pointed out that, like, a buddy of mine, another friend of ours who's in the room, grabbed a handful of chips, tortilla chips. This is so stupid. But it's, it illustrates the point perfectly. He grabbed a handful of chips, and we got to talking about gra- he has a few chips, or he has several chips, or he has a number of chips in his hand. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a few. And he's like, no. Or, or it's, yeah, I'd say that's several chips. And he's like, you would if you were a moron. <laughs> and my face got hot and my neck got itchy, like to hairs on the got back. Ruffled. I got ruffled. And I said, you know, something to the effect of like real blunt looking right at his soul, like, thanks for the tip, man. And I walked out of the room because I couldn't say anything else. Like, I was so pissed off at like, Maybe it's a valid point, and sure enough, several is three to five things. Yeah. Okay, I know that now, and I'm happy that I do. <laughs> but in that moment, right, where I was so pissed off at that guy for just being a dickhead, you know, all he had to say was, actually, no, like, check it out. I, I know you like grammar. Like, he knows I'm a grammar freak, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to the extent that anyone can prove a grammar point to me, I'm perfectly happy to take that information but I feel like there's a way to inspire people to learn something without calling them a dummy or suggesting they might be, you know? Yeah. Anyway, ego. It's fine. <laughs> it gets it gets bruised, you know? It's all good. But that's just growth. Yeah, think about how, how much you thought you knew before you learned something new. Oh, man. I, I've had this conversation, conversation maybe three times in the last uh, two weeks. Um, I think about being 18. And yeah. I, think, I think about... Everything. Think about everything you knew at 18. And then think about when you were 21 and you looked back at being 18 going, I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And then you were 25 and you went, 21? I've grown up so much since then. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'll, I'll be 30 this year. And, and the older I get, the more that I know I never knew anything. Mm-hmm. You know? There's well, a lyric. Uh, uh, that sounds like a Dawes lyric or something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I don't I don't know when those points happen, but I think it happens seasonally. You know, like you come across one little nugget every now and again where you're like, oh, all we have to do is put uh, unisex uh, bathroom signs up and the problem has been solved. Hmm. Everybody, okay? This is not an argument that needs to be had. <laughs> <laughs> like that seems like a simple option Yeah. to this, you know, argument about transsexual people being in bathrooms. Like, come on. Yeah, it's that simple. I was in California, and every bathroom was unisex, and I thought, yeah, that's not a problem anymore <laughs> here, you know. But people want to be angry about it, yeah, and they want to prove their point. But there's no point to be proven. People got to take a piss. Who cares, you know? Anyway, totally soapbox. 
So I don't know. I don't know how that fits into House on a Hill. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm I know gonna, it got. I know it, it. It it fits in because I got a drop to D. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna plug you in, and uh, if you can tell us a little bit about House on a Hill before you get into it, sure. And then, and then just get into it. But I'll I'll let you go from here. Sure. Um. <laughs> Um, I mean, it goes back to just us talking about the silent part of it. Um, like the end of this tune on the record, if you listen in the headphones, there's like eight minutes of dead air or eight seconds of dead air. Just like I let a moment happen, like right after I sang the tune and I wanted that recorded. So it was like, Oh, you hear the HVAC and the room noise and the silence in the room. You, it's like, that's the sound of silence or something. Right. Um, and at the tail end of it, I, re- I listen back, and there's this little tiny noise at the very end of it. Just, and I listen back closer, turn it up, and the dog had to take a piss. He's just standing out in the in the hallway, waiting for me to like let him out. So I left it on there. That's the last sound you hear on that song. Is Richard like, bro? I gotta go out. Um, and I just felt like you can you can see God in a dog, right? Good dog. So that felt perfect at the end of it. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, my wife and I bought our first house a couple years ago. And as a songwriter, that's a fairly uh, daunting proposition. Because I want to write songs. I don't want to enter data. Which is most of what being in a band is anyway. I've got so many spreadsheets now. Might not be that different, um, but we ruffled through all, of, all our, our old stuff and, and pulled the uh, stuff out of the attic and looked through old pictures. And um, I just remember one night just bawling my eyes out, like thinking about how I grew up and how painful some of it was. Just like divorce sucks, you know, depression sucks. Having to know family, close family that you know are in charge of you, you know, not being stable sometimes. And, you know, knowing myself a little better than I used to all the time. It's like buying a house is, we're going to be broke. We're going to be on the streets. I'm not going to be able to do this. I don't want to go and hate my life working at some stupid job. Um, But I would, you know, if I had to. I don't have to yet. Here I am, and here we are. So, this is the Sunkle House on a Hill. i 
of happier times when things went right in a house on a hill with some land left to till and somebody stayed right there seen my share had my fill and burned a bridge for a steel until they buried me will you marry me here is everything I will not attribute my heart to another failing overburdened being
Yeah, they are meaning instilled Yeah, they're the body That was broken there Hard to come, it's hard to come back from that. Write a song about a flower, put it after it. We can hear that at the end. Mm. I love that song, the song about the flower. Song about a flower. What else does the world need more? This is ego right now than a song about a flower. <laughs> Everybody should write more songs about flowers, I think. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, in that song, you say, uh, I will not contribute to the slow death of wonder. Mm-hmm. What is that? It's like uh, birth, school, work, death. There's no wonder in that, right? Yeah. Uh, my youngest sister is 20 years younger than me. and she, Your youngest sister is 20 years younger than you? Yeah, my mom, dad got started early. My mom was 19, my dad was 21. Wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's a young age to have a kid. Um, my, my wife's older sister is 17. I think 17 or 16. 16 years old. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting, like, uh, watching her grow up, and she went to Montessori school, mm-hmm. which I, I didn't know anything much about until recently, um, a director, writer friend of mine in Chicago, Sean Kelly, who I've worked on a musical or two with, um, he's going to be a Montessori teacher. And he's been a nanny for a long time. And I started learning about it. But as, as a, a measure of uh, fostering a human's innate curiosities for a number of years, yeah, without the structure of get this test, get an A on this test, like there's a little bit of gray area that I don't quite understand as far as like the merit system. But what I do understand about it is that my kid sister is one of the most brilliant humans I've ever met hmm. and an artist. So 20 years, 12, 13. 13? Yeah, yeah. 13. Yeah. And so the, the, the idea that, that, that specific learning type, like that, that training fosters that sense of wonder a little bit better than I think, you know, what are you going to do? What do you, what's your major? You know, for guys like me, I didn't know what my major was going to be. I just wanted to do the college thing. Cause that's what I Did you was go supposed college? to do. Uh, yeah, I wanted to do community college, but I got talked into going to DeVry stupid idea, wasted a bunch of money. Then I transferred to UIC in Chicago and studied music for a couple of years. So that was really good. I don't, I don't, uh, look at that time as wasted at all. I didn't get my degree, but it was like, you're either going to go be a teacher and wait tables <laughs> because teachers don't get paid enough yeah. criminally. Yeah. Uh, or are you just going to go wait tables and start touring? And that's what I did. Hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah. 
I don't quite know much about what's coming, but it feels it feels fun. I love that line that you won't contribute to the slow death of wonder. Because for me, what it's like choosing to not do this, which is my favorite thing in the world to do, right? Yeah. It makes me feel good. The best. It makes me feel the best ever to sing songs, you know, that have my truth in it. Yeah. You know, I think when, when, when I think of wonder, um, you think of, of little kids. Yeah. And so, I don't know, there's something about that song and about that line in particular. I will not contribute to the slow death of wonder. It's like it's getting beaten out of us, right? Like we cannot possibly think that the the life in our in our dreams is possible. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's a little harder to do. Is it a long way of saying anything is possible? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. I think. I mean, you got to know what your limitations are as a human, right? Like, if if you're gonna be, I'm gonna be a singer, and you can't match a pitch, like you got to reevaluate your situation. Yeah, you know, like I don't belong in a situation where I'm in charge of uh, a car. Like, hmm. I'm not gonna go be a mechanic tomorrow. Um, you have to know, like, you're, you know, young. You learn what your things are, right? Like, I started singing when I was a baby. Yeah, there's pictures of me at family Christmas when I was like two. I got a toy microphone for Christmas, and I'm singing "Living on a Prayer" at family Christmas at two. <laughs> All the words and the melody, like it was there. Yeah, from the date, from the get go. Um, how soon did you know that this was it? Uh, my dad took me to see Silverchair when I was twelve, and I'm like, they're like four or five years older than I am. I'm like, I could do that. Yeah, feels pretty good to try. <laughs> so I kept trying, and I'm still trying. <laughs> Still trying. Um, I, 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 trying is not the right word for what you do, Nick. It's just not. It doesn't feel like dying. It feels like living. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a different thing yeah. than just going and slugging it out, making thirty grand a year. You know, I. It's just that trying is not the right word. I mean, listen, you're not you're not making sixty grand a year from writing songs, right? No. <laughs> But that doesn't mean you're not doing it. It's not trying. Uh, like I hate, I hate to be Yoda. I, I think I understand what you're saying. I hate to be Yoda, but there is no try. There's only do. Oh, I'm, yeah. You're doing it. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. It's scary as hell, you know, every day. But you know, when I can have a moment with people that is going to last forever, you know, for some people they remember. Like I, I caught up with a friend of mine in De- Denver on this tour. She brought something up that I had no recollection of because it did not register to me at the time. Yeah. But she like apologized to me for something she said 15 years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, consider it forgiven. <laughs> like, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. But things stick with people. Like, I remember one of my favorite bands. I went to see them. I dragged like literally 15 of my friends out to see them. You have to come to this show, top three, right? And they, they played one song that I knew. And everything else was like really, really old and really, really new. But like the middle part of their career, they're like ashamed of it. It's like too poppy for them or something, hmm. which is horseshit. But I went up to the singer after the show, hoping to have a moment with him. This is my favorite. This is in my top three. Yeah. I got to meet the singer of this band. And I said, hey, man, uh, nice to meet you. And I, I said, man, I was hoping to hear some songs off of this record tonight. Like, 
you know, you played one, like, you know, I'm just hoping to hear some more. And he's like, he looked at me real snotty and said, it's not our favorite record in the world. I was like, okay. I was like, it's cool, man. I just, I dragged a few of my friends out and it just wasn't what we expected. You know, I was just being, I was drunk. I was 21, stupid idiot. Yeah. And I, he looked at me, he goes, we'll, rem- we'll, we'll remember that next time we're back in Chicago. And he walked away from me. He, all he had to say was like, you know, that, that period is just, this just one doesn't want to get, get, get us off anymore. Like, I'm not going to go play a song off and consider this a confession and, and like it. No. Yeah. I'm not going to play a waltz and like it right now. Um, but I liked it then. Or Hot Damn. Uh, I may I play Hot Damn for you all night. <laughs> um, but there was, again, another way to say the thing that he wanted to say, but he was a dickhead about it. Yeah. And I, I still love the band, but I, fuck that guy, you know? Yeah. Kind of. But I was also pretty drunk. You are drunk. I was pretty drunk. <laughs> uh, so now we get to the part in the show. I loved this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, we get to the part in the show where we kind of talk about our next story slam. Mm. Our next story slam is here goes nothing. Mm. We've kind of, I feel like the entire theme of this conversation has been here goes nothing. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, state and Madison has put out many records. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a way I feel like this upcoming record, uh, is maybe the most important one. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I f- I feel like it's the one that has the most thought behind it, the most planning. Um, it is a deliberate album, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of a here goes nothing. Yeah, on paper, this is a really dumb idea. <laughs> like, you know, this is a dumb idea. Yeah, to want to be in a rock and roll band, but. If I can do that and feed my family, it deserves the time to figure out. Yeah. And if I can't, I'll know in a few months. That's fine. But at least the art is in the world at that point, and it's not mine anymore. It's for everybody else. That feels pretty good. If I can show my kids that, I'm good, you know? I'll make another record forever. Yeah. (laughs) I can't stop. But, you know, to what extent? Maybe I can't be on the road as much as I'd like to be, but maybe I can also play a couple shows that matter more, you know? Yeah. It's just a matter of balance. But at this point it's like, you know, we don't have kids yet. We really want to start a family like yesterday, but you know, if we can do this in a, some sort of order, if there's order to be had, humans love order, you know, if it can go ABC, that'd be nice for a change, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, here goes nothing. It's like I, I talked to Dana, my wife, about this whole idea of like I'm, I feel like I need to put a record out, um, and she's all for it. Record the songs, get it done, you know. Pushing me to get it done, you know, and not not being afraid of it. Um, but I, I remember having three very specific conversations with her before jumping in, full hog, you know, whole hog. And I said, "Are you ready for this to get real?" You know, like. She's like, yeah, of course. I w- yes. Like, that was the first conversation. Second conversation was, you know, I'm about to start planning, like, a year and a half of stuff. Is that cool? Like, are you are you in? She's like, yes, do it. Come, like, do it. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe she believes it. You know, like, I've played her the songs. Like, I showed her the first mix of the second single the other day. Mm-hmm. Like, and we cried together. Like, it was a moment like that, uh, like my buddy Jay Hall mixed it and it's, uh, you know, the last little bit of love someone else put on top of it. 
you know, it's my favorite song I've ever written. And my friend made it sound beautiful, you know? Yeah. Like, we believe in this stuff. And it has affected people on tour. I've been all over the country this month, you know, from talking with a conservative Christian preacher, you know, to a homeless brother on the street that told me he's bipolar. Hmm. Can I have 10 bucks for some lunch? Why can't he get mental health care? Like, these are things we need to talk about, you know? I've, I'm super compelled that, like, a lot of the problems in this country would be solved if we had better mental health care to start, you know? Guys on the street that are getting put in jail because they're crazy people, literally going crazy because they don't have the resources. We should be talking about that stuff. And if art can be a compelling argument to start a conversation, bait, who else is going to do it if I'm not going to do it? You know? Are you okay with art being bait? Yeah. I feel like a lot of people... To a conversation? Uh, yes, absolutely. Would it, wouldn't be okay with that term, with that, with that label. Tell me why. That sounds like an interesting conversation. <laughs> we don't have a ton of time. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of people who would would hear that and feel like their art is too, quote-unquote, important to be bait to just a conversation. I, I am not one of those people. Mm. I, I agree with you. Mm. I, I, I do think art should be bait to a conversation. I think... It can be. It doesn't have to be, but yeah. it, it can be, sure. And I, I think conversation is the important part of art. Yeah, I was, I was, we were just talking about this, about uh, Dana, my wife and I, had realized after we got married that we had never had a conversation about visual art. Yeah. So when we started decorating our house, it was like, you know, there are opinions and they differ. Ashley and I have had very much the same thing. <laughs> I remember texting my buddy Dave and going, Dave, why can't the damn pictures on the wall be in a grid? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, man, there's, there's beauty in letting it go. <laughs> the, the, the argument that I get or the, the pushback that I get is uh, I'm tall. I'm six foot five. Yeah. Um, the pushback that I get is that I prefer pictures to be put too high on the wall. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah you're skewed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, th- I hope that my wife would agree that I'm mostly willing to listen to that. There, there is, <laughs> there's a part of me that goes, well, it's my freaking house. <laughs> I'm tall. Let it put to, let it be put to the height that I that so see funny. it. That is so funny. <laughs> uh, but I th- I think I can speak for Ashley and say that she would say that I am mostly willing to hear her. On yeah, that. yeah, being heard. It's a funny thing. Yeah, we uh, it you know we've come back full circle yeah, to being yeah, heard. Yeah, it's important. Um, but visual art, like that conversation involved, like we didn't have any time to talk about why we liked something or didn't like something or loved it together. Like that's even better or hate it together. Like, yeah. Mm, being catty about something, <laughs> but you know, like that, that doesn't exist in, in, you know, it didn't really exist in our relationship until very recently. And now that we've developed a vocabulary to discuss these things, it's much easier to have a disagreement about something tr- perhaps trivial because now you have more vocabulary to say, well, actually, I can see that better at that height. Or, oh, you can't see it because it's 12 feet in the air. I get it. Like, 
now we can just say, oh, well, maybe this is a better middle ground that mm. we could have had a discussion, not just, I don't like it up there, you know? I want the pictures in a grid. You know, like, it's stupid, you know? At a certain <laughs> point, you've got to just laugh at yourself for being so dumb. I do, all the totally. time. Totally. All the time. <laughs> so I want to hear one more song from you. Um, but before we do, we have one question that we ask, I have asked every guest. Keep it, keep it crispy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is my. It is my version of keep it crispy. Uh, and I didn't warn you about this. Okay. Um, I have. So I've had guests on this show that are that are. Uh, I mean, big time guests. I've had two of Chris Farley's brothers on here. One of whom is still a working actor in L.A. Is he still in Together? Uh, I did have that one on, <laughs> and I, we actually sang uh, Calculus together. Uh, during our episode, I know my calculus. Yeah. This is you plus me equals us. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've asked every guest this, and the the question is, who is the most interesting person in your phone, in your contact list? In your oh, phone? good question. The very first answer was Qu- Quincy Jones. Oh, uh, yeah, Trump card. I know. I mean, it's 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 that's it. So so I've I have heard. Everything from Quincy Jones to my mom, and uh, it's just it's just an interesting question that I that I want That's to know. A little Rorschach test, yeah. Interesting, most interesting. Yeah, and it's just for you, not necessarily for everybody else, but for you. Who is the most interesting person in your phone? Man, interesting has so many different. I know names. it's a lot of connotations there. Sean Kelly. And, and, but you have to explain who that is. Sean is my director, writer, friend in Chicago. He's a playwright. Brilliant light of a human. Um, one of the most... Just He's just... I love him. My wife knows this. I love him. He's like so close as a friend to me. Because he gets that sensitive space where things come from. Like he calls it, you know... He's like, sometimes people will take advantage of you for being a wellspring. Hmm. Keep on being a wellspring anyway. You know? That's like, good. He's that guy. Yeah. Where he encourages me to be damaged and to be lovely and to be scared and to be human. Um, and he invites that into his art. I've helped him make some art. And we, it's just the most beautiful thing because he gets it. You know? Where that spark is from. I, I keep calling it little fires all the time. Like no matter the size, a fire is a fire. A little big doesn't matter. It's just it's if it is fire, it is fire. And that's where the title for the song "The Road" came from. Um, in that, like a buddy of mine, Jay Hall, asked me, "Had I ever seen uh, the Cormac McCarthy movie?" And I said, "No." And he's he just kept asking me every now and again, "Is he? Do you carry the fire? Do you carry the fire?" I was like, I, I know, I got to see the movie, you know, and I watched it. And if you've ever seen that movie, that's a pretty heavy part of it um, as it relates to, you know, post-apocalyptic, are you going to eat me, you know? Hmm. Do you carry the fire? So I kept thinking about that as like, it's like the spark of, the genesis of an idea is nothing but vapor. If you grab it, it goes away. It's like grabbing smoke, you know? But if you waft it, right, if you invite it, like I think about songwriting that way. It's like the other day, for example, before I left for tour, I had so much stuff to do. I was not in writing mode, but I, I'm sitting in my room doing spreadsheet work. That's 95% of leaving for tours that. Uh, and I looked up and I said, hello there. 
literally out loud, and I had to write it down because it just walked in the room. It was just there. Yeah. And it took 10 minutes, you know? Like, if you're... It's almost like a passive participant kind of thing. Like, I've had ideas when I'm sleeping, and I'm like, nah, there'll be another one. Hmm. You know? I don't worry about songs anymore like I used to. Like, I got to write a song to please people. I just please myself, you know, that's always, always what I've ever done, and that's why I've lost bandmates over the years, because it's like, we have to write a certain thing for these certain people to sell this certain idea of what this is, and it's never been anything but me, for me, but, you know, getting real and trying to work whatever's going on in here out. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know where that leads us back to, but... no. The reason I ask creativity, that, Sean Kelly. Yeah. The, the reason I ask that question is because it always leads to more. Yeah. It it always, you know, the initial answer is who it is, mm-hmm. and then the why leads to this whole thing. Interesting. And Good so, question. Thank you. I, so I I love hearing that from you. So uh, we're gonna close out with hearing another song from you, and it's totally up to you. I told you that I wanted to hear "House on a Hill" and uh, mm. the, the the one we heard. What's the one we heard originally? The "Life, Life is, is Good." Life it's called is "Life Is Good." Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't remember if it was called that or if it's it just is. how it makes me feel. It is, yeah, it is. It, it is how it makes me feel. I Life is good. It is good that it, we that we even get a chance to be sad or mad or or angry or happy. That is all of it. So yeah. our our last song, I'll leave up to you, but. Um, before we do, just uh, remind people where they can find you. I know statemadison.net. Stateandmadison.net. Are you on Twitter and Instagram? I love Instagram. I'm on there myself, Nicholas Blazina, N-I-C-K-O-L-A-S-B-L-A-Z-I-N-A. Or I'm on the State and Madison Instagram as well all the time. Cool. And uh, tell us what song you're going to do for us at the end here. And before before we go, because uh, you won't hear from me again, our next Story Slam is Saturday, April 15th. 2017 our theme is here goes nothing um we will be at the wilmar center on jennifer street uh as always we're sponsored by ill asylum and um if you would like to sign up to tell a story you can find us on facebook instagram twitter just search madison story slam uh and you will find us we will be there and um you know our our uh our uh i don't know slogan Mm. it's weird to say slogan is uh, building community through storytelling. Mm. And the event we had tonight was, uh, I think, song, story, and community. Yeah, I stole the idea from Kyle Cox. He was doing house parties in Nashville for a while, and that's yeah. how he framed it, and I thought it was beautiful. So I, I love building community. And, <laughs> and Nicholas, I think that's what you do through your songwriting is build community. So it, it just it made so much sense to have, to, to have you on tonight and uh, just talk to you. So Thank you for the time. Uh, just let us know what song you're doing. It's totally up to you. Cool. So thank you so much. Um, since we were talking about Sean Kelly, I'll play you a song that was in no small part uh, inspired by him and his um, art. We made a musical a couple of years ago. He and I. Um, he wrote it and directed it and wrote a lot of the music um, and invited me into that process as well. And through, throughout that whole thing, you know, the point of the show was to illustrate like when when you deserve love the least and you get it like what changes a person quicker than that you know you know when you get grace and you throw it on the ground and step on it and the person gives it picks it back up and gives it back to you again and you throw it on the ground again and then they pick it up and give it back to you again like that 
is powerful, you know? And the show was really ostentatious and, oh man, it was a fun thing. But throughout that, he kept saying this, this thing, you know, slogan, mantra, whatever, like we are two parts of the same thing. Um, and listening to some of these different guys I've listened to lately about like, you know, philosophy kind of things. Alan Watts is a really good one. I've, I've liked a lot lately. Um, Ram Dass is another one Pete Holmes talks about a bunch and I've been listening to a lot of that stuff and it's like when we can get back to the the lack of binary and be the one thing again you know we can be quiet together and just hang out I thought that's a pretty good thing to write a song about Um, but politics are boring and a flower is much more pretty to talk about so I wrote a song about a flower it's called We Are Two Parts of the Same Thing
but 